This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen. We're going to continue where we left off yesterday, where I was speaking on self-defense. This is part two. I was on Omega Man Radio, syndicated around the world, as well as our warning television, radio, shortwave, social media programs. Let's continue. Esther 9, 1 through 5. Now in the 12th month, that is the month of Adar, on the 13th day, the time came for the king's command and his decree to be executed. On that day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. The opposite occurred in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. Tyranny. They're going to wipe out the people of God. They want to do that today. People of God fought back and won. The Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the providences of the king to lay hands on those who sought to harm them. And no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all the people. And all the officials of the provinces, the satraps, the governors, and all those doing the king's work helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace, and his fame spread throughout all the providence. For this man, Mordecai, became increasingly prominent. Thus the Jews defeated all their enemies with a stroke of the sword, with slaughter and destruction, and did what they pleased with those who hated them. Did you follow that? They came to destroy the people of God. God allowed self-defense. Note, this is justifiable homicide in widespread self-defense with legal force in a non-wartime, non-law enforcement situation. This might actually happen in the United States or other nations to save Christians if they have educated godly Issachar leadership behind the pulpit who understand their responsibilities given to them by God explained in the Bible to protect the church. I hope This has helped so far to clarify some of the questions surrounding self-defense. Now I'm going to go into, is self-defense justified for a Christian? God's weapons, owning them. What's his view for self-defense in a righteous war? I'm also going to look at mercy and grace for accidental homicide. We are living in unprecedented times. It is of the utmost importance that Christians understand their roles and responsibilities for their families, themselves, their nation. We must understand our responsibilities, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't understand your responsibility, pastor, get out of the pulpit. McDonald's has an opening for you. Maybe you can be the manager. This topic is so, so important. 
People do not seem to understand what is clearly understood both in the Old and New Testament about responsibilities and self-defense for ourselves, our families, and our nation. Owning weapons for self-defense and a righteous war. Let's look a little bit at it. 1 Samuel 13, 19 through 22. Now, no skilled craftsman could be found in all the land of Israel for the Philippines, or the Philistines, <laughs> Philippines. Yeah, they're trying to take over the new world order in the Philippines. But the Philistines here had said, so that the Hebrews cannot make swords or spears for themselves. So all Israel went down to the Philistines, each to have his plowshare, his mattock, his axe, his iron plowshare sharpened. They were making weapons. The Hebrews, they were making weapons for self-defense. It's like, hey, go buy a 38. Go buy a 357, a 44, AK. Go get a shotgun. Make it at least a 12 gauge. Get some slugs. The charge was two-thirds of a shekel for the plowshare and for the mattock, and a third of a shekel for the pick and the axe to set the goading sticks. So on the day of battle, there was not a sword or a spear found in the hands of all of the army that was with Saul and Jonathan, but Saul and his son Jonathan had them. They got ready what they could to fight anyway. They took their farming tools and made weapons out of them. Psalm 144, 1. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, who teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Psalm 18.34. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. 1 Samuel 17.34-37. But David said to Saul, Your servant used his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Note. The Bible, you can read accounts where David had his lethal weapons. Not only in war and in self-defense, but against a barren lion to protect the sheep. In today's standard of weapons, we would be talking about a 44 Magnum. The goal is always to protect and preserve life. They had their lethal weapons. The Israels used the type of slingshots that would crush a man's head. Numbers 1, 22 through 46. From the descendants of Simeon, all the men 20 years old or more were able to serve in the army, were counted and listed by name, one by one, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Simeon was 59,300, ready to fight, ready for war. From the descendants of Gad, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army, were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number of the tribe of Gad was 45,650 ready to fight. From the descendants of Judah, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Judah was 74,600 ready to fight. From the descendants of Issachar, all the men, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Issachar was 54,400. 
ready to fight. From the descendants of Zebulun, all the 20-year-old or more were able to serve in the army, were listed by name, according to their records, their clans and families. The number of the tribe was 57,400, ready to fight, ready for war, ready for civil war, ready for self-defense. From the sons of Joseph, from the descendants of Ephraim, all the men 20 years old who were every to serve in the army, according to the records of their clans, the number of the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500, ready to fight. From the descendants of Manasseh, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Manasseh ready to fight were 32,200. Why is God recording this so succinctly, separately, according to tribe? He is showing he is not against self-defense. He's not against a righteous war. He is not against defending yourself. From the descendants of Benjamin, all of the men, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in the army, listed by name, number of their clans and families, the number was 35,400 ready to fight. Descendants of Dan, all the men, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in the army, were listed by the name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number of the tribe of Dan was 62,700 ready for war. You ready for war out there? You ready to defend your families? That's from the tribe of Gabe. <laughs> How many in your home ready to fight, Gabe? Again, this is a live audience, ladies and gentlemen. I got somebody in my audience real excited, so I thought I'd go to his tribe. From the descendants of Asher, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by names according to the records of their clans and families. The number of the tribe of Asher ready to fight were 41,500. The descendants of Naphtali, all the men 20 years old or more, able to fight, 53,400. These were the men counted by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, each representing his family. All the Israelites, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in Israel's army were counted according to their families. The total number was 603,550. 603,550 ready to fight. Ready for self-defense. Ready for war. Ready for civil war. Ready to protect themselves against unlawful arrest. Judges 3, 1 through 31. These are the nations the Lord left to test all the Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previously had battle experience. I think uh, some of us are going to learn some warfare who have not had battle experience. The five rulers of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, Sidians, Hevites, living in the Lebanon mountains from the Mount Baal, Hermon to Lebo, Hamath. They were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the Lord's commands, which he had given their ancestors through Moses. The Israelites lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesachites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Wow, a lot of, lot of sites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot their God and served Baal. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, so he sold them into the hands of Cushan, the king of Aram, <clears throat> to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, 
Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Went to war. The Lord gave Cushan, king of Aram, into the hands of Othenil, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othenil, son of Caness, died. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did evil, the Lord gave them Eklan, king of Moab, power over Israel. Now, you will see this go on and on. They do evil. They lose their freedom. America's done evil. The church is dysfunctional. The church is backslidden. We're losing our freedom. Do you see the, the pattern? <clears throat> Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eklan came and attacked Israel, took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eklan, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. He gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Korah, the Benanite, Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eklan, king of Moab. Now, Ehud had a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eklan, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Wow, a very fat man. And Ehud had presented the tribute. He sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us. They all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God to you. And the king rose from his seat. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's fat belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed in over it. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And he had gone. The servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked it. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor, dead. Wow! Overthrowing tyranny. Did you hear it? Overthrowing tyranny with violence. Justifiable violence. When he arrived, he blew a trumpet in the hill of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with him from the hills and him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down, took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not one escaped. Wow! Civil war? Overthrowing tyranny? That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. After Ehud came Shemgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox code. He too saved Israel. Uh, are we following this? Everybody following this? Amen. Judges 4, 21. Here, Jael hammers a tent peg into the enemy commander's head while he slept after fleeing from a battle. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and hammered and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Overthrowing a tyrant with legal force, justifiable execution authorized by God. I guarantee you, they didn't just pray about it. 
Jesus isn't coming out of heaven to do your work. That's why there is such a thing as a righteous army, law enforcement, sheriff's department, SWAT team. And I was on all of that. Air Force, military, sheriff's department, SWAT team. I understood my responsibility to stop tyranny and stop those that would hurt and kill the innocent. God-given responsibility. First Kings 18, 39 through 40. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. There's a lot of evil people killing people today. And the allegation is a vaccine that's killing people for depopulation. Wow. When judgment falls, are we going to say, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Well, I am. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 1.10, Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven, consume you and your 50 men, and then fire from heaven fell and consumed the captain and his men. Legal force from the mouth of a prophet and God himself struck him dead. Note, here God used a prophet as his tool of war to execute judgment upon these 50 men. In another newsletter, I'll explain with many examples of scripture how God himself uses violence supernaturally through men and angels to carry out his will upon the unrighteous and unrepentant individuals. When the Moabites, 2 Kings 3, 24 through 27, Moabites came to the camp of Israel. The Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns. Each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs, cut down every good tree. Only Ker Hereth was left with stones in place, but men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle had gone against him, he took up with 700 swordsmen to break through to the king of Edom, but they failed. They then took his firstborn son who was succeeded him as king and offered him as a sacrifice on the city wall. The fury of Israel was great. They withdrew and returned to their own land. One can see why God was against these pagan nations. They served Satan through false gods and religions, even sacrificing their own children like women and doctors do today by killing children through abortion. When is judgment going to fall? Second Kings 10, 1 through 28. Ahab's family Killed. Servants of Baal, killed. Now there was in Samaria 70 sons of the house of Ahab. So Jehu wrote letters and sent them to Samaria, to the officials of Jezreel, to the elders and to the guardians of Ahab's children. He said, you have your master's sons with you. You have chariots and horses, a fortified city and weapons. Now as soon as this letter reaches you, choose the best and most worthy of your master's sons. Set him on the father's throne. Then fight for your master's house. But they were terrified and said, if two kings could not resist him, how can we? So the palace administrator, the city governor, the elders and the guardians sent this message to Jehu. We are your servants and we will do anything you say. We will not appoint anyone as king. You do whatever you think best. Then Jehu wrote them a second letter saying, if you are on my side, obey me. Take the heads of your master's sons. Come to me in Jezreel by this time tomorrow. Now the royal princes, the 70 of them, were with leading the men of the city who were rearing them. When the letter arrived, these men took the princesses and slaughtered all 70 of them. They put their heads in the baskets, sent them to Jehu. When the messengers arrived, he told Jehu, they had brought the heads of the princesses. Then Jehu ordered, put them in piles at the entrance of the city gate until morning. Wow. 
execution of tyrants bringing tyranny. The next morning, Jehu went out. He stood before all the people and said, you are innocent. It was I who conspired against my master and killed him. But who killed all these? Know then that not a word of the Lord spoken against the house of Ahab will fail. The Lord has done what he answered through his servant Elijah. So Jehu killed everyone in Jezreel who remained of the house of Ahab, as well as all his chief men, his close friends, his priests, leaving him no survivor. Let me tell you something. If this tyranny continues, there's going to be a righteous war. And if God's people rise up united, we will win. I could go on and on. Going to the servants of Baal killed. No, Numbers 13 and 14 includes the example of the Amalekites. Numbers 25 and 26 is the example of the Mennonites in the battle of Jericho in Joshua chapter 10. Yes, throughout the Bible there are examples of fighting in war. Moses led the Hebrews in the exodus from Egypt because Pharaoh was defeated. David and Goliath, Samson, Gideon, Joshua, Elijah, all came against Ahab and Jezebel and their false prophets, etc. Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. However, in the cities of the nations, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Pezizites, Hevites, and Jebusites. As the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin against the Lord your God, and you will be judged. Mercy and grace for justifiable homicides. There were cities of refuge. Deuteronomy 19, 1 through 10. You have to read this on your own. I'm running out of time. But a person who accidentally killed a person, unintentional manslaughter, had to flee to one of the six Levite cities of refuge as the Levites were the only tribe who had been appointed by God as priest. The cities offered the offenders refuge and protection from retribution of the avenging family until their case went to trial. Justice. I hope this teaching has helped clarify the responsibilities of both Christians and pastors in areas of the love of God and protecting his people through self-defense. Enforcing God's laws, including legal execution, a just war, possessing and using firearms appropriately to protect oneself, family, and friends. To sit back and watch an evil person hurt, rape, or kill one's spouse or children is the utmost in stupidity. As far as understanding our obligations in Scripture to protect life, liberty, and property. The love of God demands us to defend innocent, even if we have to use weapons to do so. The same love of God requires us to love those who persecute us as the Romans did to those under their jurisdiction. When they required someone to walk a mile in their service, Jesus said, volunteer to walk too, with a good attitude. We are supposed to show the fruits of the Holy Spirit to the prison guards who guard us when we are unjustly incarcerated. As both Reverend Watchman Nee and Reverend Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as well as my grandparents, Reverend Harold and Letta Hansen, did to their concentration camp guards in China and Germany. Reverend Watchman Nee was a church leader and a theologian, as well as a renowned Christian author in China. He understood his duty to resist communism during the communist revolution in China. In part, the first part of self-defense today, we saw how Anti-Nazi and Hitler dissident Reverend Dietrich Bonhoeffer understood his Christian responsibility in Germany during World War II. Bonhoeffer had joined the Abwehr, a German military intelligence organization where he served as courier for the German resistance movement to reveal its existence and intention to the Western allies to help them win the war. 
Bonhoeffer also exhibited the love of Jesus to his guards when he was arrested. So much so that the sympathetic guards helped to smuggle Bonhoeffer's religious teachings out of the prison, even offered to help him escape from prison. Bonhoeffer refused, fearing retaliation against his family. During the American Revolution, the clergy called the Black Robe Brigade understood their responsibilities to fight with deadly force as many of them became officers leading the charge to liberty and freedom. I understood my responsibilities as a Christian and a pastor as I joined the United States Air Force serving four years and later the Sheriff's Department and a member of the SWAT team serving six years as a sniper. What is your responsibility? What is mine? To protect the innocent. We have a responsibility to protect our families, our friends, our nations against tyranny, against unlawful arrest. There is such a thing as a just war and using legal force. May God help America. May God help the pastors to rise up and once again understood what the pastors used to know in the American Revolution and wars since that time to keep America free. Shannon? Dr. Hanson, what a powerful teaching tonight. I agree with you 100%. What would you like to title this for the archive? Yeah, let's title it... Uh, is self-defense justified for a Christian? Powerful program tonight. And pray for me over here in Indonesia. I would that I had my guns here. All they left me with is a butter knife over here. <laughs> but hey, I, I am, uh, what's the word for it? I, uh, I have a backup plan. Um, praise the Lord. I'll get me a crossbow if I have to because I will defend my family. Praise God. And uh, for my friends in America, thank God every day that you've got the Second Amendment. Oh, I would that we had it over here. And many countries have already been castrated. That's why we still have a fighting chance to take America back. Because the, the framers of our Constitution gave us the ability to have the means to fight back tyranny when that day came. And uh, we're getting pretty close now. Encourage everybody to pray, to defend your families. And uh, there we are. Dr. Hanson, great word tonight. Uh, how can a person support your ministry? Well, Shannon, they can look at my website, www.worldministries.org. That's www.worldministries.org. They could write to me, send a check, just address it to WMI, P.O. Box 277, Sandwood, Washington, 98292. That's WMI. P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. My email is warning at worldministries.org. That's warning at worldministries.org. And my telephone number, 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. They can call up or go on our website and uh, we take all credit cards, etc. Dr. Hanson, once again, a real honor to be a part of these programs. We love and appreciate you. Thank you for all the great work y'all are doing. Folks, get over to worldministries.org. Be a part of this ministry. It's making a difference. We'll see you soon, Dr. Hanson. We love you. God bless you, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you, sir.